right, hello and welcome to Persons of No Consequence. This is the podcast for the uninitiated that is all about the people who aren't famous. If you have a Wikipedia page, you're not welcome on this show. The idea behind this podcast was once I was hosting a small podcast for a small entertainment website and our fans made a Wikipedia page for us. They thought we deserved to be on that website. And that website said, no, you're stupid. (laughs) No one has ever heard of these people, nor will they ever. And they deemed us a person of no consequence. And they took down the page. And that gave me the idea. What about all the stories we don't hear? Because those people aren't famous. Someone's not going to be invited on Jimmy Fallon. So we don't hear their interesting tales, their interesting life. And that's what this show is all about. And today I have a very special guest. Today I have my sister calling in. Amanda, how are you doing? I am doing great, my favorite little brother. (laughs) Thank you so much. Oh, also, I guess I should mention my name. We have a a big influx of new listeners, so I've been trying to do a better introduction lately. My name is Terry Smith. Thank you so much for listening. And all of the new subscribers, thank you. I don't know why you're here, but I want you to know I appreciate you. And I'm sorry (laughs) that this is what you've chosen to listen to. (laughs) I promise it'll get better as it goes. Um, But like I said, today I have my sister calling in. And... uh, I guess let's just start with how are you doing? I am doing really, really good. I'm so excited to be on here. I have wanted to be on one of your podcasts for so long, ever since you started. So I am like so geeked. I was actually nervous. (laughs) You don't have to be nervous. My friend Joe was like, dude, you gotta call me afterwards. And I was like, I am so nerved up. She was laughing at me. (laughs) Well, I understand. (laughs) A lot of people, like, where we come from, any sort of entertainment is just like an impossibility, right? Like, when podcasts (laughs) started to be a thing right exactly like almost it was almost a decade ago now i started a podcast back in our hometown we lived in northern michigan so if you hold up your your hand doesn't matter which one no one knows how the thumb works anyways you hold up your hand and you trace up your middle finger and then you lower all of the other fingers but your middle finger that's where we're at that's (laughs) that's where we're from And and where we come from, you're really not supposed to become anything. You can be a mechanic, which is a really good lucrative thing to do where we come from, because everyone has a very large truck. Um, you can be a nurse, right? You can be a nurse because there's a hospital about 45 minutes away. (laughs) Right. I mean, you you can be an EMT because, you know, we can have ambulances to get to that hospital. That's freaking 80 million miles away up 50 million hills that if it wasn't walking up. (laughs) Yeah, you got to study NASCAR too to be able to get there in time for anyone gets hurt. I guess you could also be a lumberjack. And then if worse comes to worse, you can always make almost no money at the Walmart. So like (laughs) those are the career options. So when I started a podcast like a decade ago, everybody looked at me like I was crazy. You got to understand, Serial wasn't out yet. Uh, Joe Rogan wasn't gigantic. Mark Marin was probably the most famous podcaster at that point. Maybe Chris Hardwick and Nerdist. But most people hadn't heard of any of those names, especially where we came from. So when I started I mean, doing that, the podcast was no, exactly. Like I, I know, um, I started, I started a syndication deal with the local radio station just before I left, and they were like, "I don't know, your content seems, I don't know, it seems wacky." And I was like, yeah, that's a podcast. <laughs> like, I don't have a dude who hosts the local weather channel, you know, coming in every 15 minutes to give the weather update. Spoiler alert, it's raining or it's snowing. It's Michigan. Uh, I didn't have that the, the kind of stuff, so they didn't understand is, it. Yeah, the, the news break is so-and-so jumped into, you know, so-and-so's truck and took off. And the other one, you know, <laughs> um, you know, broke into the cabin that was next door. Like, it just... 
<laughs> the amount of cabin break-ins like when you like uh i've seen there's a couple like really famous twitter accounts that follow stuff that happens in like small rural canada um like like little towns like little canadian towns letter kenny yeah, up north exactly yeah kind of like letter kenny and they always have the most interesting like little readers like it's almost like you're following like a little news story and it's always like this little break in here or these wacky crimes and if you were to follow one for hillman which is where we're from it's all just uh cabin break-ins and duis that's that would be the majority yeah. of the crimes reported because we're not interested oh, at all Yo, the yeah, sure, yeah, because you already have a DUI, so you don't have a car anymore. <laughs> You're just walking down the street, so you get a drunken disorderly. Right, uh, basically, yeah. But I didn't call you on here to have you shit on our hometown. I, but, you know, contrary to popular belief, I do love our hometown, and there's lots of awesome things in it. One of which is. is you. Uh, you know, you oh, still wow. live there, and I appreciate you very much. And... Thank you so much for coming on here. Um, but I want to talk about you and not just rant about Hillman. So tell me a little bit about how you ended up in Hillman. Because unlike me, you weren't born there. You you came from a fantasy faraway land when our parents <laughs> made money and could afford things. Right. Uh, didn't happen when I was okay. around. But I was told that once upon a time, they both had money and you spent it all. Is that what happened? Yes, basically, yeah. If you, if you ask them, it's exactly it. Yep, this is the first child, you know, me, you know, spent, <laughs> spent every last penny they had. So, you know, so when you and Leanne came around, oh, nothing for you. <laughs> um, Listen, I, I was fine. I was fine with it. I still got toys, and that's really all I cared about. I didn't have clothes or, you know, work, working utilities, but I had toys, and that's really what mattered. Right. <laughs> hey, we had working TV. That's all that mattered. <laughs> The fact that we had a working TV but not a working toilet says so much about where really? we come from. <laughs> it's so scary. I just, it's so scary. <laughs> like when you think about yeah. like the amount of like open plumbing that just did not operate in our original house and the fact that when the tv broke you thought that we all got dysentery it was like oh man i don't know how we're gonna make it through this like all of us are suffering right now like we all have to band together it's like well it's the tv dad it's not like it's our plumbing But you know what, though, if if my radio would have died, then I would have died, okay? Then I wouldn't have been able to survive. Because at the time, like, you know, TV was like, okay, you know, I I want to watch MTV when, you know, when mom and dad were gone. You watch MTV or we watch TGIF together as, like, a family, and that was, like, it. Right. But for me, it was the radio. Like, if my radio would have died, oh, God. Or the phone? Oh, God. You you had a really badass radio, though. I will give you that. You had, like, this little skinny boombox from the 80s, and it was, like, steel. Like, you could kill a person with that. Oh yeah, oh yeah! Like that thing was <laughs> swing that bitch. Like, yep, knock a person out. <laughs> so I, yep. I understand the frustration, and also, you know, you're a '90s kid. Music was the only thing it, that was happening, right? Yes, basically. Like without the music, that that was yeah. Because like there was no cell phones, there was no. No one could afford a laptop. Are you fucking kidding me? Like no. I try to explain that to people that we didn't even have computers in our hometown really until the 2000s no. and no one had internet. Gateways. Well, yeah. the thing is, is we, oh, our, you got Adele. Oh my God. Type, we had, we had typewriters up until gateway 2000s were the first yeah, ones. We had we a got. digital typewriter. And I remember that neither one of yeah, our parents knew how to. It was because we, we couldn't afford, 
Mom, it was so hard for me to get into town as a library type of reports and stuff. So for Christmas, Mom and Dad got me a word processor because we couldn't afford a laptop. So for my reports and stuff, and it was funny because I was like, you actually think I'm going to use that? It got ruined within a month in my bedroom somewhere. I remember, I remember being told, Terry, do not touch that. It is not a toy. And within like a week, yeah, you can have it's, it, but yeah. <laughs> it, yes, was it, was, it was now just a toy. <laughs> Like, I wanted to say, like, yeah, that was, that was smart, yeah. Give me something you know, for school that I don't even do school. Or, yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly. I do appreciate it, though, because I want you to know I did learn how to type from that. Like, that is how I well, learned how to type, and now I am a writer for a living, so. <laughs> well, hey, that, you, that, was your first, that was your actual only taste of a typewriter, really. It really was. Because like, when I got to keyboarding class, it was, oh, I already know how to type, and I aced the class first week because it was just tests, like, just to right. see if you could type, and I already knew how to, so. Probably the first A what? I ever got. Only A I ever got. <laughs> My first, um, it was called the Talking Whiz Kid, and it was uh, it was an '80s like kids laptop, and you know, because Mom and Dad had money when we when we were growing up, like when we lived downstate and stuff, because Dad was a truck driver for Miller, made decent money. Mom, she got to stay home, yep. until she went to business school. And at yep. the time, then she worked at Myers and stuff, but two working parents in the 80s was like, cha-ching, you know? For sure, Especially, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, we were we were doing really good. So, dad from went. what I understand, dad got hurt, right? Dad got hurt yes. on the truck, and he got a settlement from that. And then some sort of drug ring moved into your neighborhood? This is the part where I couldn't tell no. if it was hyperbole or if that was legitimate. You were a child, no, I don't I know if you remember. Too. No, this was absolutely legitimate. Okay, we were um, we lived on the corner. Yeah, you, you guys lived on the corner of was it Nine Mile, right? No, we lived well. The, the streets were called Brol and Brinkler Brinker. But it was oh, that's, off still, that's not that far. Yeah, it was off Eleven Mile and Gratiot. Yeah, yeah, okay. And um, the house that moved in was like was Kitty Corner from us, like across the street. Um, and what happened was, was like, me, Leanne, and the neighbor kid, Danny, we were chased by their Doberman pinchers in our backyard. We ran from their Dobermans, but they were yep. a crack house. Okay, and I, so that so makes we, sense. Not really a drug ring, but still. No, but it was a crack house. Things were going really bad. Houses were getting broken into all the time, and we were losing the house. Like, we were, like, it was either, because we still had to wait for the settlement, so it was either... Like, keep that one, pay it up, whatever, or move out because it wasn't safe anymore. See, that's the part of the story that makes more sense was they were also behind on payments. That like that yeah. part adds up a little bit more. <laughs> like, and I understand yeah, why that part right. might have been left out from the story originally. Right. But, like, from what I had heard, the FBI was like, we need to use your house as and some did. sort of stakeout. And they, oh, really? Oh, and Jesus. they did. Yeah, straight up, they did. Was it they the did. FBI or was it, like, local police enforcement? It was local, right, but they used it okay. for surveillance. They watched them so they could take them down and stuff. But even so, like, it was once they were moved out, another one moved in. Right. Like, right. we found out, like, as soon as they condemned it, like, or they, they, what they, they, they shut it down. And then it, like, went up for, like, tax sale and stuff. And then it got blocked again. It was stupid. It was just constant. Like, what it, city was that were you nearest it. by? If you were by Roseville. 11 Mile, Roseville. We okay. were in Roseville. Yeah. And Roseville in the late 80s was kind of bad in general, anyways. It's not like a, like a no. shithole by any means but it's not no. it wasn't a great city at the time well you know what's really funny is my best friend jojo she's from roseville same oh, time really oh so she yeah. saw the same stuff 
it was yeah we didn't even realize i mean her mom still lives in, lives in roseville so when this was happening how old were you i i moved up here when i would turn 10 okay so, so you were pretty little in august we moved up here in august and i turned obviously turned 10 in october so so at that point were you experiencing any of your your major health issues that you you know that's Actually, something we can get into we, as we go but I started to um the start, things started to slow down for me. Okay. Like um I, yep, I things started to slow down. I was like kind of before I started my puber, puber puberty change, you know what I mean? Like I hadn't really I was kind of like at a standstill. So things started to get better. All of, you know, all of mom's family was up here. Right. So at, when, you know, everything was happening all at once. So it was like, okay, why don't you guys move up here? Be closer to grandma, be closer, you know. And head on so north. This, this was supposed to be the land of opportunity. And dad was getting <laughs> a settlement. So it was like, okay, you know, find a new house, new whatever. So dad went to work for IGA up here. Yeah. And that's dad a small, I don't know IGA if you don't know, like it's a small regional chain of like grocery stores. Right. And it was our, you know, in Hillman, it's the small little tiny grocery store that the only thing that we have fully for a real grocery store. Right. And now the person who owns it was in our mom and dad's wedding. Right. And yeah. Really it basically serious. extended family. Yeah. His wife's our, you know, our cousin and that blah, blah, blah. And so he was doing, you know, helping a family out, you know, and uh, just yikes. So I guess uh, to go back a little bit, um, you had some serious issues when you were born, right? You had lung issues along those lines, right? I was born um, like six weeks early. When I was coming out, I had a bowel movement, the meconium got swallowed in my lungs. Okay. And um, I aspirated and stuff. And because my lungs were underdeveloped, it caused major lung issues where, and at the time in the 80s, steroids were all experimental. Yeah, and that's all that they used for lung problems because that's what um worked the best. So I was being treated with all kinds of experimental drugs that they had no idea was going to cause a long-term effect. And so I guess we can, spoiler alert, it, it caused some long-term effects. Yeah, big time, big time. But, you know, like, Dad had really, really good insurance, and thank God for that because, you know, I wouldn't have any treatments and that kind of thing, so... Right. And that's the thing. Like, I know we I've talked about it with our mother before, and there's been some regret because of all of your lingering health problems because of those steroids. But the thing that I try to remind her and the thing I've I've talked to a few parents who have had similar issues um, from those steroids in the 80s. And it was, you know, there was no other choice. It was either that experimental treatment or they didn't have a kid anymore. And it's a pretty exactly. easy decision to make. Right. Exactly. And I would never blame. You know, I mean, come on now. I live a very, you know, I'm a happy person. I have a child. I have, you know, I lived a lot longer than they said I was going to. So I would right. never blame. <laughs> <you know. laughs> not to, I guess not to give away your age. I don't want to embarrass you, but I, I believe it was something like 90% of your life that you weren't supposed to make it through. So exactly. I'd say, uh, I'd say it's, it's a little bit fair um, that, that you've made it this far. I, I don't think that the blame can go on anybody, even the doctors, you know, it's, you know, right. they, they were keeping you alive. They did the best that they could at the time. You know, people forget that doctors are human. 100%. And yeah. uh, I, I guess we can fast forward a little bit. When did the issues start popping up? When did they start causing problems? Um, You know, I probably in my early, well, late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. 
yeah, that's when um the autoimmune diseases started showing up, and um a couple of them was mainly because of steroid use. Yeah, that that was I think that was always the disappointing thing is we do have a few underlying health issues in our family, a lot of heart defects and lupus, which if you don't know what lupus is, it's all of the autoimmune diseases. It basically is a deterioration disease. Over time, it causes all the bad things you can think of. It gives you those. So you can go blind. You're going to get arthritis. You're, you know, you're going to develop worse heart conditions. Yeah, exactly. We're going to shut down. It just starts picking one by one. Bye bye. Yeah, and that runs in our family. So on top of that is a thing that you get just naturally almost within our family. You have all these autoimmune deficiencies that were caused by that steroid use that just has basically shut down your immune system as an adult and also caused tons of other lingering effects. But I don't want to linger on that too too long, I guess. But you said it starts happening in your 20s. Um, what's that like being a college student? Uh, and you know, you're finally out on your own. You, we've somehow survived our parents being extremely poor and you're like, you know, I have an apartment of my own. I have a job. I have a boyfriend. I'm going to college. You, you're set on this trajectory. And then now you're just sick every, you know, few months severely. You're hospitalized. It, it is absolutely, it takes everything from you because then you start to realize, okay, the more that I'm out in public because your immune system, the more you're sick. So then you like, you start to realize, okay, you know, okay, there's all these stigmas when you go on social security. So when right. you start to make the decision that, okay, I can't work. Well, when everybody looks at you, because these diseases, you can't see, you know what I mean? Like there's times that you look at me and okay, well, what the hell's wrong with her? Something wrong with her. You know what do you mean? Because I do have so many good days and people like, there's no way. So to make that decision to go on social security, it's not, it makes you feel horrible, horrible to know that you can't go out and work, to know that you spend most of your time in the house, most of the time you're laid up. It sucks. It right. takes and away that's, all that's... your freedom. Exactly. And that's what I try to explain a lot of times, you know, in the conversations we've had together and to other people is that you d- you wouldn't choose this. If you had a choice, you would rather live a normal life. Yeah. Yeah, guaranteed. You know what I mean? Like people want, you know, want to jump on social security and not do anything. It is horrible to sit there and like, okay, you know, I got all my housework done. So now what? <laughs> right. Literally, now what? You, you, there's nothing... And, and there's there's a cap too. That's the I think th- people forget about any sort of any sort of relation to the welfare state at all. Is it you know people picture the moochers, and there definitely are people like that. There are people that yeah, exist absolutely. that do that. that. Yeah, there's people that can be content. But I make okay for everybody. You know, I make seven hundred and seven hundred and seventy three dollars is what I get a month. Right. Okay, trying to live on that, you know, for any kind of an apartment or even low income apartment. Yeah, it's it's, it's almost impossible. Electric. It is absolutely. And, know, and uh, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it, it's, it's rough. Yeah, yeah. And I raised my son, which I do get child support, but without that child support, you know what I mean? Like, and that's still, you know what I mean? Like, it's never enough. Like, you, you just never get enough. It, so it's to... never enough to release you. Yeah, it, it's not a it's it's difficult. And that's the thing when I try to explain to people like you, you picture this. Oh, they don't have to work. They don't have to do anything. But you're not given an amount that is like you're living in the lap of luxury or something like that. Mm-hmm. That that's not your existence at all. You know, you've teamed up with our mother and our sister for you all, all three of you to survive on on very low wages, you know, and I can com- I commend you for that. You know, you were able to raise your son and he's not wanting for anything. 
You know, he's got he's got food, he's got shoes, he's got a working bathroom, he's got a PlayStation. <laughs> but you know, for a side note, you know, his dad pays his child support, his dad picks up what he doesn't, you know what I mean? Like his dad provides for his for our son, you know, for sure. Like, we're, and we're I'm going to take credit for the PlayStation. Um, well, absolutely, Uncle Terry. <laughs> I know. I just didn't want. I didn't want you to be like, oh, so that's where the seven hundred dollars went. I realized when I said that, I'm like, well, she didn't buy that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, the the thing that I, I want to go back and talk about is, so you're out on your own, and you basically come to this realization that you can't work anymore. And by realization, I mean your doctor said, "Hey, we're not going to let you work anymore." What was that well, like? I remember when you came home and he said, you're not allowed to do this anymore because you're not going to make it. Well, and listen, I had just gotten my CNA license. Right. Just went through the classes, just got my CNA license and was and That's like, a certified nurse's aide, right? That That's like yes. a nurse's assistant. Yep. Yep. And like, I was just like, wait a minute. Are you kidding me? Like, um, yeah, it was, it was devastating because I like, tried to explain that to your significant other, like, wait a minute like okay wait a minute you just now got a career you just now got stabilized at this job that you were going to make you know and you're not making decent money so we finally got two incomes in the house and then right. here it's like, oh by the way i can't work home. was this before or after you had your son this was after christopher was two okay so and that's that's really rough too you know um we're in a similar boat now you know my wife emily you've you've heard her on the podcast if you're a fan uh we just started to get to a point where we're both going to be able to work. She's about to graduate here in about nine months and we'll finally have two incomes. That's a big deal, especially if you come from a low income household, but just two incomes period. Like we talked about before, that was the golden ticket for our parents. Right. And the second that went I away, mean, now all of a sudden they're impoverished. Right. I mean, and then like, you know, for him, it was, we finally, cause I, I was able to stay home with Christopher for the first couple years, you know, not a problem. And you know, so he was finally kind of excited that I was going to, we were going to have two incomes. So it was like, yeah, okay, that's exciting. That's a fair thing to be excited about. Yeah. And I was going to, and I was making decent money, you know, right. for a person who, you know, I, I didn't finish college. So here I got my CNA license. I was going to be making decent money. We were going to do good. And then it was like, on top of just not only just being sick here, I'm, I'm not going to be working anymore. So it was like, oh, great. Now what, you know? So there was just tons of extra slack having me be picked up on top of me being really sick because this was on the found the time where they're finding all these autoimmune and I was getting hit left and right. And yeah, I want to I want to talk about that a little bit. So basically what what your doctor had told you is said, hey, on top of all, all of these autoimmune deficiencies, you also have super advanced forms of ADHD and several other non neurotypical diseases. Right. Like, you know, yeah, you I were. Go ahead. A bipolar disorder. That was when right. it was, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder at the same time. Yeah, and I apologize. It's not a disease. It's a disorder. There's a big difference there. But, it's, but, but it, it is. It is. It's a, you know, it's a chemical imbalance in your brain. Right. It's a and, and, chemical but, imbalance. Yeah, and that's something you can't control. And I remember you found all this all out in a whirlwind. You know, you were told that you have you can't have a job and you have to go into the state because you'll never afford the type of you'll, you'll never have the type of job that will have the insurance that will allow you to exist and not go yes. broke immediately i spend over a million dollars a year my immune treatments are six thousand dollars a piece and i have to have them every month 
Right. And that people don't understand how the healthcare system works. A lot of people hear that and assume, okay, so that's all tax money. My tax money pays for your sister's healthcare. And that's not really how it works. Basically, the government gives these healthcare providers stipends for tax purposes. That doesn't, they don't just outright pay a million dollars to these doctors. That's not how it works at all. No. Um, See, like if you go to the dentist and say, okay, they charge 60 to $70 for cleaning, Medicaid only pays them $17 of that and so for the ones you know and then here most of the government programs that do take the medicaid get grants upon grants upon grants to be those government of of, you know doctors dentists whatever so don't think that you know and i did i worked as much as i could i used to have three jobs when i was you know from the time i was freaking 16 and could work you know, I know it was like, awesome so... because whenever I went to your house, you always had ice cream because you could afford it. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, you know, I, as soon as I could work, man, I was working and I had three jobs and I, you know what I mean? Like, so I did work. I mean, yeah, I didn't put my time in like, you know, everybody else necessarily, but I did put time in and our parents worked and you guys, you know what I mean? So when everybody says, oh, well, I pay for your sister. No, motherfucker, I pay for my sister. <laughs> right. And <laughs> and that's the, that's the thing that's always frustrated me when people, and I understand, I understand the frustration when you see that your tax money goes to the government and then the government gives out these, again, it's, it's welfare is, is like colloquially, it is. but it's way, yeah. way deeper than that. There's lots of different versions of it. it um, yes. Yeah. But it is just frustrating when people see that number and they automatically assume that's what it is and that's not how it works at all. And in fact, it's only like that because people with insurance, their insurance companies screw them over and charge them so much that it becomes so expensive because they have to charge that much. Otherwise, the insurance company wouldn't pay that much. So you have to have insurance. It's this vicious cycle to where the government does have to pay a lot of money for people who can't survive otherwise. Right. I guess, uh, is it rough living with that stigma of people just assuming you're mooching off the state and because you have autoimmune deficiencies and you're not like walking around with no legs, which, um, it it is very, it is very like, I mean, people look at you like they see you pull out your, your food stamp card or they see you like with, um, cause I mean, I get my temporary handicap everyone's like when my lungs get really bad or if I get really sore and like in my in a lot of pain or whatever um like people sit there and look at you like oh my god like okay you're not bleeding from anywhere you don't have a, a walker you don't you know what i mean like they do yeah where's hard. your hump like why why can't you have a job and it's because yeah. the government told you if you had a job you wouldn't be able to afford insurance and you would die so your choice was to work and then die or live off basically nothing and survive Barely. But unless you wear a sign across your forehead, you have to explain your story to everybody. And it's like, you get so tired of it. Right. And it's, it's not fair to you because you didn't choose this life. And that's the thing that I've always tried to remind myself. It's never like we've never been in fights or I've never been frustrated with you about that, you know, but you didn't choose this. This is not the life that you wanted to leave. You had a pretty promising life and you've still accomplished tons while being in the circumstances that you're in and not trying to diminish that at all. It's just as frustrating to me that I hear people who lash out. And I think a lot of times it's because they probably need assistance too. And a lot of them do. There's so many people who need the help who either won't get it or who have been denied and it's not fair. Right. You know what I mean? And, or the ones that think that they, that they're not entitled, that they don't feel like they should, you know what I mean? And I'm sorry they have those feelings, but 
you know what I mean? Like, there's ones that just won't get the help. Yeah, and I, I come from a similar background, you know? Like, it was kind of beat into us that, and not physically, our parents did not physically no, but... abuse us, but it was, it was really, like, drove home where we come from that you don't do that, and if you do do that, no. you're less than, which is crazy where we came from because everyone is poor. Yeah, but you're right, though. Like, you didn't go get on assistance. You did, Our parents didn't. We were on food stamps once ever in our lives. And I remember dad crying about that later on in life. Like he was so embarrassed and he was so ashamed. I remember he, our father did not talk to us that often. You were probably the most because you were his first child and you saw him before life broke him. Um, But I remember at one point him drunkenly telling me like, like, like almost like he was confessing to murder that they had to go on food stamps at one point. And I was like, that's fine. Can we do it again? Like, (laughs) okay. Like, like half my school is on food stamps. We're in one of the poorest areas of all of the U.S. Like I, I'm not ashamed, you know, because our parents worked uh, between all hardships and issues. And we mentioned some embarrassing things. They always had jobs. They always had all the jobs. Always, always. Like we, I mean, we didn't. We always ate well. You know, we always. We always we, had, we TV. had a hot. <laughs> our, yeah, we had. We always had TV, and you know, we always had a hot. You know, our our house was always warm. We had yeah. wood heat. We always had heat. You know what I mean? Like we, for our for our situation, we grew up pretty good. We we grew up great, say. and I I have to remind people because I, I sometimes I tell stories that are contradictory to what other people right. would perceive. Like I mentioned, like sometimes right. our toilet didn't work, right? And that sounds so backwoodsy. But and then you think about is, the next right. house on the on the road who didn't have power <laughs> or indoor plumbing, but they still got on the same school bus. You know, right, right. Like, we were rich by comparison, and that was everyone that lived there. And our house was just, you know, eventually it started falling apart. And, like, our dad, you know, he helped everybody. He helped everybody, but never wanted to do hard stuff. He helped everybody else. You know, uh, aside from dad's drug use, which is a thing that I'll get into on some other podcast in the future, I always Mm -hmm. think about Abraham Lincoln's father. And there's a big difference, and I'm not comparing myself to Abraham Lincoln, but I love (laughs) stories about Abraham Lincoln. And his father was a Lutheran man, and (laughs) his big thing was he never allowed his family more than they needed to survive. So even though he could work more and he worked a lot and he made his kids work a lot, he gave away anything that was excess and only bought the bare minimum because that was the way that he thought he should exist. And our dad didn't do that to us. We had more than the bare minimum, but that was all he needed to survive. So he didn't strive for more than that. He was kind of taught and beaten down by life. If you tried to get more, you were probably going to lose. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like he was he he learned to be content. Yes, we were, he content. was content with what he was. He was content, and then when they did get more, like he, he almost felt like, you know, he went and got more and did well, you know, got to different mom, whatever else. But I almost felt like he felt guilty for not having. Like when he finally did, it, it, he almost seemed on edge with it. One hundred percent. You could tell there was a a discontent because there was when you're struggling and you're doing the best you can and you have more than nothing. You're a king in your in your kids' eyes and your own eyes. You're like I, against all odds, I'm doing it. But then when you, it's like when you reach that next tax bracket, but you're at the lowest rung of it. It's mm-hmm. like now I'm a failure all over again, even though I've I'm more successful than I've ever you been. See, yeah, you don't. And the thing is, his dad knew that that could be taken away. He yeah. knew that they couldn't. You know what I mean? Like, and he was scared. He was like walking on eggshells all the time waiting for it to be taken you know what i mean like it was just he was a constant stress all the time because they they did off more than what they could chew but they needed something you know they couldn't live in that one so 
yeah, so we had to buy a new house. I guess to yeah. to dive deep again into your experience with it. So you're a kid in the 80s and you find out you're moving up north away from the city, which I'm sure wasn't that strange since you lived in the suburbs anyways. And you now moved into the middle yeah. of the woods. Um, and now, yeah, what is the difference there? Well, okay, what was the big difference was the distance. You know, yeah. we were used to houses being two feet from you, okay? Like, neighbors being, like, you could go up the street and you had five five friends, you know? When we moved up here, it was like, okay, the first place that we moved to was Grandma's. Right. So, we lived in Pine Oak, so our friends were, like, all trails and that kind of thing. Okay, so that wasn't so bad. But when we moved out north of town here in Hillman, um, okay, our nearest friend was almost a mile away. Yeah, and it's not just oh like it's God. not like a straight mile either. You're talking backwards, no, two tracks as we call them. Curves. Yeah, you're talking about I mean, riding your bike up five hills in the snow barefoot, you know, type <laughs> stuff. Like, are you kidding me? We talk about it a lot on some of the other shows. We have a lot of friends that live out there still. Um, the joke is is that we didn't have real addresses. We were all numbered, and the roads were they were. They were yeah, exactly. I loved I love talking about it. I'm not going to give our address away. We don't live there anymore anyways, but I don't want anyone, you know, going to bother people that do live right. there now. But like we lived on like County Road 1 and County Road 1 was actually like 15 different roads, like tributaries off a river. Um, yeah. But it was still just County Road 1. So like you're County yeah, Road it, 1, it House right, 5, but good luck finding it. <laughs> I don't understand how the post office found it. Like we always got our mail. Like they had to be superheroes. Terry, it wasn't like that. You know that the two roads are the same? They weren't. The one wasn't always that. They switched, they changed that. When they changed that, we all about died. When we were like, wait a minute, why would you do that? that are you sure? So at one, point, it, at one point, it wasn't County Road 1? Yeah. At, at some point, it, it they wasn't. were separate roads? Yeah. So you're telling, okay, so you're telling me at one point in your lifetime, we the government okay, wait, wait. came and said, you know what? This needs to just be one. We're tired of driving yes. down all of these. We're, we're going to take down yes. some of these signs. The, you know how it goes to the left as you're yeah. coming up? Yeah. Okay. We, we, that never used to be County Road 1. That used to be an actual road. Like, yeah. I love and it. And then they changed <laughs> it to County Road 1. Like, it'd just be easier if we just give them all the same road. And they're like, sir, but sir, those are several different roads. He's like, no, no, no. Now it's one. They were like, "What in God's name? Like, could you get any more backwoods?" That, that's the most like Caesar-like thing I've ever heard. Like, you know the stories of Caesar and like, like just changing like the calendar. He's Jesus. like, "I want one named yeah. after me now." That's like that. Like, you know what? I just want that to be one road. I'm tired I mean, of having we to know like, all these names on the map. Us kids were like, "Wait a minute! Did they just change that?" Like, <laughs> that's awesome. Why did they do? <laughs> so being like just... a, kind of like a city kid and like moving into the backwoods. It I guess was, it was not, like, was that nice? Is that well, cool? Now you have like the well, woods to okay, play in. Part of it was nice. It's okay. It was kind of like okay. My son's friend's mom. We were, you know, how uh, mom was telling you earlier today that she's kind of she's from Detroit, so she was like, okay, everybody in by eight thirty. Okay, yeah. that's how it was for us too. We came from downstate, so our mom was like, okay, everybody in before dark. Everybody da 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 da. So, well, that's not how it is up here. You know, everybody leaves their doors <laughs> unlocked. Everybody, you can walk around in the dark and it's okay. I mean, like. So, so I've actually like, caught some flack on this podcast telling some stories and a few of our other ones because people don't believe that I would ride on my bike from sunset or, from, you know, from sunup till sunset and sometimes just in the dark on on roads with no street lights, just in the dark on 
dirt roads with no care in the world, no cell phones. And my parents would say, just like, come back tomorrow, basically. Can you can you confirm that so people believe me? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like <laughs> and that was everybody that lived up there. That wasn't just me. No, they would drop they would drop you in town and be like, okay, I'll, you know, <laughs> see you some twenty down. miles away from our house. Right. Like we'll see you at dark. We'll be seeing you in like eight hours. Like, okay. <laughs> that's just what that's just what it was. And like it's funny, you, you talk about like everyone did that and it was a different place. We left our doors unlocked. You gotta think northern Michigan had such a low population, it still does, but even it back then, know. like we lived on was, uh, like roads that didn't have people on it. You'd see a trailer yeah. that was closed up for the winter or you know, until okay. it was like a hunting cabin kind of thing. This, and that's it. Okay. The one county the county road one where we actually lived on, okay, that's a twenty mile road. We were the only house on the left. Right. <laughs> The entire road. I mean, we were literally way. the only house on the left. So I mean, just imagine that. Out of twenty miles, we're the only house on the left. So I mean, like that's how it is through all of northern Michigan. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, I used to take off for hours, just walking and walking and walking, and be just like, just through oh. the woods. Yeah, you're just yeah. on on a dirt road. You don't. Yeah. There's no name on it. <laughs> No, you got you got your 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 hand at your portable CD player and with the ESPN, you're hoping you don't hit any more bumps as you're walking. And exactly. Headphones. Oh my god! So I just picture you with your little '80s Walkman, and I know you couldn't afford a Walkman, so it was some off-brand no. CD player. Okay, uh, Walkman, you're right. I went through so many portable CD players, you don't even know. So I guess like. My my question is because like your your issues didn't show up until the two thousands, right? But still, right. a lot of that was in its infancy and understanding. We again, we we just talked about it. Pretty backwoods area. What's that like when you your healthcare is dictated by an area that doesn't have to deal with a lot of major issues? I'm not trying to to oh, say God. that the hospital isn't competent by any means. It's just no, you're, it's, it's not it's like you're dealing with different. you know the Mayo Clinic. Um, talk about misdiagnoses. Oh my God. Yeah. Like years of misdiagnosis. Like, I mean, that's why. Okay, um, we'll put it this way, people. Okay, I'm going to be 40 next year. It took until I was 30. Well, it took until my first coma, which was four years ago, to really get answers from. And now I'm going to U of M from now on. Like I have right. a whole U of M team, but it took until my first coma to really get the treatments and stuff like that that I needed. Yeah, so for anybody who doesn't know, I guess, the U of M, University of Michigan, one of the best hospitals in the country, but definitely one of the best ho- in hospitals in Michigan. And yeah. where we grew up, it's not like our hospital isn't great, but again, it's backwoods. It's smaller. Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess the joke I always say, like when doctors. people get a lawyer in a small town, right? That lawyer probably yeah, didn't go to Harvard. It's like a pro lawyer. It's exactly. like a pro lawyer. Yeah, w- the best doctors in the world did not end up in our small town, you know? Yeah. No, <laughs> and that doesn't mean the doctors there aren't great. It doesn't mean they're not competent. No, it doesn't mean they didn't go to the same schools, but they don't deal with the same issues, right? And a lot of them don't see, like, okay, guys, I'm battling what's called um cyclic vomiting syndrome, okay? Um, and it's something your doctor found knew. out about it from a television show. Yeah, my it was another girl in my <laughs> town has it. Her doctor found it from mystery diagnosis, and she we have a mutual friend. And which is also my brother's friend. And she was like, she called me and was like, Amanda, my friend found, you know, and I'm like, oh my God. And that's the thing is, you know, it's almost like you have to get on WebMD yourself, diagnose yourself and be like, hey, 
um, I have this. <laughs> Unless you're going to one of the best hospitals. It's not that our people are incompetent. It's just they don't have, they don't come from, like, like Terry said, we don't hire Harvard grads. You know, we don't get that lucky. Right. And then also it's like they don't they don't have the same resources. So it's no, not like you're watching right. house and he's like he can come up with any, you know, he's got the top 15 medical students in the world and they have all of the money in the world to do every test possible. You don't have that luxury for your insurance, even though it's covered. It's not the same thing because it's covered we, by, we by Medicaid. Have... They don't give you the best treatments, you know. Right, we don't have 3D ultrasound tech. You know what I mean? We don't have <laughs> state of the art right now. No, granted, okay, we are in a major upgrade, and we are in connection to U of M um, University of Michigan Hospital. They are doing a major upgrade. It'll be done here in two years. Right. Um, to our hospital, but and we are getting a lot of U of M um doctors. We're getting more people moving up here, but it's still not going to be where it needs to be. So I'm very thankful for my team downstate at U of M, but. So I guess uh, another question I have is, you know, we've talked about it. You're a mother. You're a great mother. I love your son. He's Um, awesome. So what's that like knowing you have all these issues? And I guess, are you worried you pass it on to him? Are you worried that he has to deal with the world, you know, that you're always sick? What's that like raising a kid and having all these other issues on top of not being able to work? Oh, it's very scary to think that, I mean, because, okay, you you know my son. Um, he's a lot like me and a lot like our family. He's come out a lot more like us than, you know, he is his dad. And he's already been, he's already shown some of of similar health issues. Um, And right now, you know, like autoimmune, they can pop out at any time. So I'm always watching, you know what I mean? And I hate that. Like, I don't just, I don't, I don't send him to the doctors. It doesn't go get tested. He doesn't. You know, but I am in constant watch. Right. You know, um, I, and he gets asked a lot, you know, like, how you feeling? Are you sorry? Are you this, you know, like, I'm looking at his hands because he's already got signs in his hands to me. Like, his hands are already, you know, I, like I have to do a lot of or... Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm always watching. I'm always looking at him, always. And like I said, I've never had him go, go get tested and that kind of thing. But I will have him tested eventually because... You know, it can be passed. All everything that I have can be passed. Right, it can all be genetic. I guess that's yeah. another thing too. I see, like me and our and our other sister are a little bit healthier than you. I mean, I'm I'm fine. I eat too much McDonald's, but other than that, I'm doing okay. <laughs> um, is there ever any? And I don't want you to take this the wrong way. Is there any sort no. of resentment towards us or towards our other family members that don't? have no, these underlying issues are you ever mad that it happened to you and not I, you would never wish it on us but is there any sort of resentment no. that it's happening to you that's not fair you know nope it's actually the opposite um i feel that i pray every day that i have it all and you guys don't have anything i i stopped it i don't ever nope i i am very thankful that you guys are i don't have any resentment to nope i don't ever i've never well, sat really here and sweet. Yeah, I've never ever thought to myself, you know, God, you know, everybody else, it's not. No, I, it's never bothered me like that. You know, it, well, I'm super it, glad it's just you. I'm going to be honest about it. <laughs> well, God, yeah, I'd hope you'd be glad it's just me. Like, yeah. I just, I've always <laughs> felt guilty because I, like I said, like I, I've seemed to have gotten lucky when it comes to some of these things. And I, I just, I always feel so bad. Not that I want any of these, but I do right. feel like you've got the brunt of it. It's so weird to think about, you know there's three of us and we're okay. And, and uh, I mean, at least physically, 
and right. uh, <laughs> that's not accounting for any of the other issues that we all suffer from or other people suffer by being near us. Um, I just I feel bad because every time I talk to you, there's some new rare disease and it's not any sort of hypochondria. It's not some sort of Munchausen's like your doctor <laughs> will tell me that you have these things that I need to help with. You know, when you have that's to go right. to the doctor, you know, when you're in a coma and I'm the only person nearby to go there, you know. And so, like, there's no way you're not pretending and there's no way for me to be in any sort of denial about it. I guess I get frustrated that you have to deal with all of it. And I feel bad for your son because that's not something you've chosen and it's not something he's chosen to deal with. But he's a trooper. I got to say you both are. The fact that you get up in the morning and are like, all right, let's keep doing it. Like, I, it. Yeah. <laughs> I envy you because, like, I don't know if I have that strength. You know, when I found out that Taco Bell was changing its menu, I didn't get out of bed for a week. <laughs> you know i'm still salty about it actually (laughs) you would be surprised on yeah there's a lot of people who are bitter every day for you know the card that they are dealt and everything else but there's so much out there to be upset about but there's so much to be thankful for and to be glad about when you wake up in the morning and knowing my son is happy and healthy and you have two happy and healthy beautiful kids everybody's doing good for the most part and i'm alive I mean, yeah. we've look at we've been through three comas, and you know what I mean. Like I had a signed DNR that had to be waived. I mean, they they weren't supposed to do that, and I've come out of all three. And I walk, talk, can eat, can you know what I mean? Like, can you read though? I can. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, I I have to joke because it is it's so scary, and it, I'm so proud of you that you do continue to do this stuff. And I know partly it's for us. It's not all just for you. You know, you do it because you love us and you want to see yeah. us again, and you do it for your son, who I'm sure appreciates it. You know <laughs> that you didn't give up 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> And I just, I love you. I just want to say that I'm proud of you. All jokes aside, like it's, it takes a lot of strength to do that. It takes a lot of strength to stand up to the people who look down on you for it. And it takes a lot of strength to keep fighting when I've seen so many doctors give up. Doctors going, I, I listen, I don't know what it is. And I didn't know doctors could do that. <laughs> I did not know they you could know, go, you, you know, know what? Many... We got to call it. I... We just got to call it on this one. Yeah, I've actually had two of the have told me you know hey if they, if they figure it out please come back and let us know what it is yeah what the heck and when they say stuff to you you're just like huh like what <laughs> i get i didn't know okay. that that existed i didn't know there was things that doctors didn't know but i've seen shows where like the doctor's like we had to do this and this and we finally figured it out i didn't know a doctor could could just go nah, don't know what most it is people, good luck most people sit there and they forget that Doctors aren't superhuman. They're still regular human beings. It's just a, it's just a person but, doing their job. Yeah, yeah. They're and fallible. They and... Everybody else. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of stuff that they don't know, and everybody puts all their faith. Which, yeah, you know, but there's they yeah, you kind of have to. But... Right. <laughs> I but never understood the second opinion thing until I went to your appointments. Until, yeah. like, you know, you were in a coma and they're like, what should we do? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. You're the doctor. <laughs> 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 I've been asked. I've been asked by a doctor twice what I, what I think it is. Once when you were in a coma and once when our other sister was in a coma. And they looked at me straight in the face. They're like, what do you think? Like, there's like there were just like three dudes around a water cooler. 
going, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know. Do we cut her open? Uh, do we, I'm sure we have a pill for something. And they're like, what do you think? And I'm like, I am a child. I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know anything. I'm a writer. I make up stuff. I don't, I don't figure things out. And I completely, that was like an honest to God. They asked me, I'm like, there was nothing more terrifying for me for you than finding <laughs> out that doctors don't know everything. And not only do they not know yeah. everything, a lot of them don't know a lot of things. I was going to say, there's, I mean, like I said, I, when they look right at you and be like, when they figure it out, please come back and tell me, like, I really got to know the answer to this. Like, what? <laughs> I guess uh, to to wrap it up a little bit. So you're still you still live in those small towns. You still go to those same doctors, and you know when things get worse, you move down. Um, is there any sort of a draw that goes? Maybe I should move to a more metropolitan area. Is there anything that goes? Maybe I should leave where you're safe, like socially, but like maybe you'd be closer to a doctor. Or is that just such a big no. thing because now you're you're this is that's your home, you know? Well. I mean, absolutely good to go back to, to go over to U of M because like, okay, th what the problem that I run into was getting, going to an emergency room. Okay. Yeah. To go my, my regular doctor is awesome. I have, I have a local regular doctor. She's amazing. And that is, that's one of the reasons why I'm still here is because she handles my stuff and she's great. She's young. She's been moving up with, you know, with me type thing. She's great. Um, yeah, you're probably going to be in some medical journal because I'm sure you're just making her career. <laughs> oh, I'm right, exactly. And the thing is, is but the ERs, like I would do be so much better if I could go to U of M if I was closer to my team, my doctors, my you know, I could afford to go into my appointments sooner than have to wait every so so many months because it costs us two hundred dollars to go down there to stay and stuff because mom's eyes or because you know whatever it's just it yeah it would make a lot more sense for me to be down there to be closer right. when something bad happens but you know like you said this is my home i do have i do have a couple of doctors up here that are really important that are really good like my lung doctors up here they right. used the best lung doctors i've ever had and that was your first he's issue amazing. in the first place right so yeah he's the one that absolutely saved my life he's the one that i owe everything to he's the one that found the immune deficiency that the anomaly that has absolutely saved my life so that so, makes sense. I mean, and like, so you have that and then you, you know, your social dynamics, right? Our mom, husband. your kid, your friends, your, our my, sister. My best friend. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Without my best friend and stuff, like, you know me, I mean, I'm, I'm severely bipolar and I have to have my friends, like, I mean, you know that, like to see, <laughs> but it's not like my friends can't, I am also an adult and I have to do what's right. You know, right. there's decisions that you have to make and you can't do everything because your friends aren't there, you know. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and um I guess like on that note to segue a little bit, because of COVID and quarantine and the pandemic, how has that made someone who needs to go to the doctor at least once a week, sometimes more, how has that just upended everything? Have they that in your your immunodeficient, so like have they asked you to like say like, you know, don't come in? Like let's figure out yes, what we can do from I'm far glad. away. Yes. Um. So far, I've been treated at home for um like two infections I've done here at home. Like because I have my own nebulizer, I've got my own um blood pressure cuff and um oximeter, and I have I do have my own um I have antibiotics that are um like standby steroids on standby five. I have things that um so that way I don't have to go in for the first few months. Stuff that I wasn't being seen anywhere. I wasn't even going to U of M. 
So right. it wasn't until last month or whatever that I finally got to go to my rheumatologist and my endocrinologist, endocrinologist and stuff. So, um, yeah, most of my stuff I was doing from home. I was doing televisits and whatever, keeping in contact with them, but doing all televisits and stuff from home. So, um, I mean, that's they good were to really know that good. they've adapted. Yeah, they were making sure that I didn't wasn't seeing lots. It was an absolute emergency. Like they were doing all my meds, doing everything they could from here. So, but they don't mess around with me. They really don't. They they're great. They know what to do. And that's really heartening to hear because there are so many places that do ignore it. Obviously, medical professionals don't, um, and they're aware of these issues and and they take those precautions. Um, even in a small town, like right. I said, like you know, the, the population was less than two thousand when I graduated. So, right. you know, um, so it's it's nice. It's it's again, it gives me the warm and fuzzies to know that even in a small town, people are taking the precautions and not ignoring the fact that people die from this disease. People like you die from this. Disease disease and right. uh it's you know it's a virus i guess disease is not the word but uh it's it's infectious and people need to be aware of it and it's just nice that you're taken care of as much as you can be in a situation yeah like because this. i still i mean our mom works at, and even with my immune like, i still have to go into the hospital i still have to you know i can't totally I, at first for the first two months i totally quarantined myself right. mom i mean i was just in my bedroom i did not come out like, I went out my bedroom window to go outside. Like, I did not cross my threshold. So, right. but now um, I've also, I've lacked that. You know, I wear, I do wear my mask everywhere. I do, you know, do to a but point. People have kind go. of adjusted to that new normal a little bit, you know, like uh, yeah, your friends it, aren't it, going out to every single party. And... No, no, we're not, we're not doing anything socially. We're not, you know, like I, I go to JoJo's house, but that's it, my best friend. But, um, we we're the only that we see each other. That's it, you know. Right. We don't, and we like you know, like I said, I go to Walmart with you know mom or whatever. But you know, I don't. If I don't have to go anywhere, I don't. Right. And if I do have to, I wear a mask. So I, I see like one person, and that's because he's just as as paranoid about the whole situation as me, and he doesn't have to leave. So I have my my one buddy John. We we go and we eat oh, sushi Sheldon. at his apartment because he sees no one else. <laughs> Like, it's just me. I'm the only other person he's seen since quarantine and vice oh, versa, basically. Do you go to that sushi place down by the road, down the road from you? Uh, I go to the sushi. I mean, I don't go to the sushi place. I order. Well, in no, but that's the one place. you order? Um, by my house or his house? There's the one by your house that's. It's okay. I wanted to ask you about. <laughs> it's fine. Um, it's expensive and you don't get that much. Um, okay, we go to a very I... authentic sushi restaurant where John lives and that's much better. <laughs> Like, I spend about a hundred dollars every time I go. Ooh, because well, mom and I were talking about when we passed there. There was like this. There's a one by your house or whatever, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I there's one mom, right down the like, road. Yeah, yeah. We talked about that, but next time, next well, time then, I see you, it, I'll order it. But it's not. Well, no, take your best, but <laughs> no, we'll order the one by John's house then. Because I know I want good sushi. That's much further. That's <laughs> I don't that's care. An hour and a half away. I don't care. Then you're going to take me to good sushi. Dang it. <laughs> you know what we do? You know what we do when this is all said and done, quarantine's over, we get our enhanced license and we head over the border because there's a small sushi place just over the bridge. If you take the bridge by Detroit, like just over yep. to Canada, there's yep. an all you can eat buffet sushi place. That's one of the top mm. in the world. And Ooh, it's, it's actually oh, affordable. You have to make reservations. 
but okay. it's not super expensive. It's just really uh, desirable, I guess. You know what I mean? Well, then we can dress uh, up. And... Well, you know what? I've always wanted to go back because our sister, for her bachelorette party, we went to Windsor. Oh, okay. Is it the last time you went yep. to Canada, you're saying? Yep. Yep. It I was don't for think her I've ever party. been. I have been to like the shore, like Superior on that side, but I don't think I've ever Terry... actually entered Canada. Oh, my God. Terry, it was so much fun. Like, I'll, I'll okay, tell well, you what. <laughs> it we'll wasn't fun because of her. Yeah, it wasn't fun for her. We can gossip about her after we end the call. <laughs> 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 Don't forget, we are recording a podcast for other people. Um, oh, that's right. She's probably a lot of people listen to this podcast, so she might be listening. Well, actually, well, I wasn't going to get into that. I was just going to say the clubs because, like, that one stretch that we were on, there was like four different like clubs all the way down, four or five different clubs. It was really cool. It was a really cool place to go to. Well, I can take you there right now. I live in Flint. Like, right? <laughs> there's like four strip clubs back to back, and then there's a McDonald's right at the end of it until you get to the oh, overpass. Oh, dude, you know, you know how to take out a lady, man. You know how. Yeah. To... And there's dude, a dude. What he'll do is he'll sell you used scratchers that are at least a two dollar winner, and he's underneath the overpass, and uh, oh, he's also dude. got needles if you need them. Oh hell yeah! Let's go. <laughs> he made me a very good deal when I went to go get Szechuan sauce when Rick and Morty was happening. That was the only McDonald's like in the Tri-County area that had Szechuan sauce. And I went over there and he was like, listen, I know you didn't get the sauce, but do you need any needles? And I was like, no, thank you, sir. I am all set on the needles. He's like, do you need any used scratchers? And I I couldn't help it. Like, I was like, you don't talk to that man anymore, right? If somebody offers you needles, you you leave. But I had to know who is buying used lotto scratchers? Like, what is the purpose of this? <laughs> and he couldn't tell me, so he didn't know, but somebody's bought them before because he didn't have them for no reason. Right, right. Obviously, someone bought them before, right? Or what, where, where would he come up with that? Like, I've been tempted. If quarantine wouldn't have happened, you best believe I would have done a follow up drive by and just like, just like, hey, man, tell me about these used lotto scratchers. And, and I'd have to go with you. You'd have to take me with you. Because <laughs> you I'd gotta have to know. That's a story I think will haunt me till my grave. Is I don't I need to know to, how that ends. We need to find him and be like, dude, I gotta know. <laughs> gotta know. Well, on That's that like note, almost... <laughs> uh, we'll wrap it up the... here. Yeah, we'll wrap it up. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and burying your soul thank and you saying all these me. intimate details. Yes, thanks for having me on here, and I so want to do right in the fields too. So for sure, come and do right in the fields. Come and do all of them. We'll do. We'll I make a, like a week of it. Um, yes, absolutely. If so, if you don't know, if for the uninitiated, we have lots of other podcasts on the Can't Be Killed Creations Network. You can head over to can'tbekilledcreations.com and check them all out over there. We have Right in the Fields, our nostalgia pop culture podcast. We have Aiming for Mediocrity, which is more conversations like this last one, more like the lotto ticket than the than the you know <laughs> welfare thing. Um, but it's, it's just a lot of silly conversations with me and my friends. Uh, it's called Aiming for Mediocrity because we aim for subpar and we still never hit that bar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then we obviously you're listening to persons of consequence but if you want to hear more embarrassing stories of just me and my solo outings you can listen to can't be killed confessions where every week it's me it's solo it's short 15 16 minutes and i just confess something embarrassing like the time i shit myself waiting for spider-man to show up in captain america civil war um God, that story. <laughs> spoiler alert spoiler alert he shows up <laughs> whether or not you shit your pants <laughs> Uh, especially if you shit your pants especially it's like you deserved it you know i earned it uh, right 
<laughs> um, we can check all that out and some of our web comics over at campykilledcreations.com. If you really like this podcast, though, and you really enjoyed everything we're doing, you can head over to patreon.com slash campykilledcreations and you can back us there. All of our backers or patrons get bonus content and early content we have tons of tiers for any money you're willing to donate it keeps the lights on it keeps chicken sandwiches in our pockets because those aren't cheap um right? popeye chicken sandwiches man exactly they're not but they're so good you know right right uh <laughs> anyways <laughs> you can check out all of that you can check us out on all the social media at can't be killed creations or can't be killed pod i'm at resident stevel on anything playstation you can find me on world of warcraft at resident stevel whatever you want to do i'm on there um amanda you obviously don't have anything to plug you're not in the national <laughs> eye you probably don't have a twitter you want people to follow you at so i'm just gonna thank you nope. so much again for coming on oh thanks for having me all right, and this has been Persons of No Consequence, and we're out. And that's where I'll cut the out. feed, but we can we can still we can still talk, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much. Did you have fun? <laughs> <laughs>